0: Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Chuck Lawless, and I'm Caleb Iverson. Caleb, we've come through Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving?
1: Yes, we did. And man, let me tell you, we ate so good. I learned so much about cooking a turkey. My stepdad listened to our episode and told me and informed me that the white meat and the dark meat are different parts of the turkey. So I was really educated <laughs> oh, that's there. good. And we had both, and it was amazing. Um, yeah, I just learned so much. We, we really had a really good time. Sweet potato casserole, all the things, really good. So.
0: I forgot we talked about White meat and dark meat. Yeah, we, we thought about we you, did. so about I went well, for the leg, just, at to, least just for you. listening, so that's good. Hey, I'm excited. We have a, we have a good friend with us today, Dr. Art Rayner. Dr. Art Rayner leads uh, Christian Ministry Solutions. He works particularly with Christian finance. And Art, I've known you for how many years now? A long time. A
2: long, long time. So um, Chuck, I, I think I met you when I was a, was I a freshman in high school. Or was I in middle school, maybe? I mean, we have known each other for a really, really long time. And it's not because you went to school with me. I wanna be, be very clear. We did not go to school together. Um, but uh, yes, we have known each other for a really, really long time.
0: 1995 is what I would have met. 1995, man. You would have been how old? That's
2: incredible. You are so blessed, Chuck, to have known me for that long.
0: <laughs> I, I remember the phenomenal uh, volleyball team you were on at the Christian High School in Louisville.
2: Yeah, so that that's a story in and of, in and of itself. So uh, that was the, uh, the inaugural season of our high school's volleyball team. A group of my friends, we decided to uh, be a part of that inaugural team. Apparently nobody else wanted to, uh, to be a part of it. Uh, there are no tryouts. We just showed up and we were a part of the team. And we had no idea what we were doing. We've never played volleyball before. And, and so whenever we had a match, it looked like we had no idea <laughs> right. what we were doing. We just goofed off the entire time. And man, the other teams hated it because they, you know, they took it seriously and understandably so. You know, their, you know, the, their life uh, revolved around it, whereas for us, it was a big joke. And um, it, it, it created many, many humorous moments, uh, you can imagine, with a group of guys, group of senior high schoolers who had no idea what they were doing. Trying to play volleyball for the first time again. Yeah, here's what I remember. All right, and I players. promise
0: we'll get to Christian Christian finances here in just a minute. But here's what I remember about the game I watched: the the gym door was open to the outside. Somebody on uh-huh. your team hit the ball out the door, not even in the direction of the net. <laughs> but not only did the ball go out the door, but every member of your team went out after it and. Disappeared for a while. <laughs> it was it was and something we, we we
2: operated as one. You okay, did. we operated as one. And yes, the the first hilarious part of that uh, of that scenario was that the volleyball it was a serve was hit. It was such a poor serve it literally went out the door. That is true. Of the gym. That <laughs> is you know, awesome. That's not supposed to I happen wish I in could volleyball. be there to witness that. But then yes, we we decided to be one as a as a team and go get that volleyball together. And so we, the entire team exited the gym to go get that volleyball, but we eventually returned for, for the game. We finished the game.
0: You did. You did. Probably not well, but I'm sure you finished it. So
2: No, it was terrible. I'm not, we probably didn't score.
0: All right. I'm really glad you're here. This is the Christmas season. I've asked you to join us to help us think through Christian finances, stewardship, particularly in the holiday season. But let's back up. Tell us about your, your background, your ministry, why you're doing what you're doing.
2: Yeah, so um, God has um, brought me on an amazing journey. Uh, so I graduated from from college with a degree in, in finance, went ahead and did my MBA, jumped into the banking world, uh, decided to go the the banking route as opposed to the ministry route. I was actually um, I I wasn't sure what to do um, because I I, I kind of thought that maybe I should do ministry, but I also thought that maybe I should. You know, go into the banking world, and um, had a really good conversation with my with my dad, where he he asked me a, a, a really profound question. He said, "Art, do you feel called to ministry? Like, do you feel called to full time vocational ministry?" And I said, "You know, I don't think that calling is the term that I would that I would use." And and so he said, "Don't do it. Don't go into full time vocational ministry if you feel like God is not calling you to do that. Go where you feel like God has called you to do." And so for me. Um, i made the decision to go into the to the banking world and 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 so i did that got my mba um, eventually though god pulled me back into full time vocational ministry and at that point it really was a calling to be the executive pastor of a church down in west palm beach florida and so i worked with the the church finances and that's once again that's a story in and of, in and of itself um, god did an amazing amazing work with the uh, with the finances of, of that church and, and then eventually um, found my way up to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And I served there for, for nine years. as an amazing, amazing nine years at, at Southeastern. And in all throughout that time, my desire to help people with their, with their finances ne- never went away. But as I look back on the story and, and where God took me, each stop along the way taught me something a little bit more about finances. As, as an example... With, with Southeastern Seminary. It is a Great Commission Seminary, and you are focusing on the nations and getting the gospel out to the end of the, of the nations. With my role at Southeastern Seminary as Vice President for Institutional Advancement, we were raising money to help that happen. And so I saw the impact that finances can have on the Great Commission and so God taught me a lot just through that position alone, which very much molded, it, it shaped who I am today and why I do what I do with Christian Money Solutions. Christian Money Solutions exist to help people discover and pursue God's design for, for, for money. And, and that design is to leverage resources for the advancement of God, God's kingdom. That's why he entrusts us with these, with these resources. And, and so, yeah, God, all along the way, God has uh, taught me a little bit more about, about finances and provided um, situations, circumstances, that really showed me, um, you know, why He's given us resources to begin with.
0: So I'm afraid to ask this question a little bit, given what you just said. God has given us a design for, for the money He has given us, particularly get the gospel to the nations. How are we doing, Christians in general with financial stewardship?
2: Yeah, so with specifically Christians in the, in the United States, I would say that we, we struggle because we struggle with um, who we are, um, with our, our role, with, with, with finances. So um, oftentimes, money issues stem from, from identity issues. And here's what I mean by that. I want to make sure I'm clear. So as we look at the, the parable of the, of the talents, we see that uh, God is the owner and, and we are the, are the, the managers. Even throughout that, that parable, we see that even when the, the, the talents were in the possession of the, of the servant's hands, they were, they were never the, the servants uh, to, to own, right? The master always owned the, the talents because possession does not equal ownership. I, I truly believe that if we start viewing our, uh, the finances that are in our possession— not as our finances not as our money but as God's finances as as God's money then that truly would change everything because it requires us to look at our money differently we're not checking on our balance we're checking on God's balance we're not uh, making uh, money decisions for us we're making money decisions for for him and so i think a lot of the issues that we that we face in the united states um Go stem beyond way beyond just um, uh, chasing after a higher standard of living. I mean that that there's a heart issue there um, when when that happens certainly, but it all goes back to the fact that uh, there's a there's an issue of mistaken identity. We're acting as the owner when it's God who is the owner of of everything.
0: Yeah, you know that's that's uh, convicting to me uh, in in several ways and informative. I think about my mom who was. Not a believer until she was in her late 70s, but my mom way overspent what we didn't have uh, and, and got into a lot of trouble over the years financially. But I look back and know that that's how she understood to express love. It, it was mm. her identity, uh, faulty and unhelpful, risky sometimes, but it's, but it's who she was. And now I find myself in encountering that, uh, being really cautious and and you know this yep. about me, uh, being really careful to make sure that um, I want to make sure we're secure financially. And I have to be careful not to let that become something that, that marks me as opposed to trusting God. So you have, uh, you pushed me again to think about those those things. Caleb is here with me. Caleb, you've been married a year and a half, I think you told me. This is your second Christmas together?
1: Yep. Our second Christmas married. This is probably... Let's see. This is our seventh Christmas together, actually. Oh, yeah, okay. we dated for a long time before we got married. We're high school sweethearts. So.
0: Okay, great, great. So, Art, what would you say to a young couple about spending during during Christmas?
2: Yeah, so the Christmas season can be crazy for for people. Not, of course, just with the finances, but also just the, the schedules. Um, your work tends to be crazy during that time as well. And for a... a, a Newly married couple, um, it can create a lot of stress on their on their relationship. And so, Caleb, my encouragement to you and to any couple that's that, that's out there is to. And this is going to sound cliche, I know it will, but you got to focus on on the reason, right? You got to focus on why we are celebrating Christmas to to begin with, because you're going to naturally feel um, the pull to make sure that you get everybody presents. And that can create financial problems, which by the way, a good chunk of Americans will go into debt over Christmas. Hmm. It happens every single year where they go into, they swipe the credit card, they put that, that purchase on there and, but they don't pay it off right away. So they end up paying it off in January, February. Sometimes it it creeps into March, April, May, and even June before they pay off their Christmas expenses, Um, which sounds crazy, but it happens all the time. And so Make sure, first of all, that your focus is on Christ and on, and on his on his birth and celebrating his birth. But then make sure that you and your, and your spouse are talking about your finances, that you're communicating about the purchases that you're make, making, and you're asking why. Why are we spending this money? Hopefully you have a budget. If you don't, you need to get a budget. And you're determining, okay, who do we need to—we have a certain amount of money. Who are we going to purchase gifts for? And you allot each um, person, a certain amount of money and you're following that, but you're asking why, why are we doing this? Do we feel the pressure to do it just because, you know, our, this is what our family does typically that we have to get everybody gifts. And so ask the, those questions and don't be afraid to, you know, sometimes buck family tradition and I, where you have to get everybody a gift. It's okay to say, you know, we just can't do that this year. We're going to do something else. You need to communicate that with your family. Say, hey, you know, we're not in really a place to be able to get everybody, all my nieces and nephews and everybody a, a gift. Um, can we do something? Can we do some type of experience? Can we go out to, uh, to a parade instead? Can we do that instead? And so find cost-effective ways to celebrate Christmas with your with your extended families because that can get really expensive. And there can be a lot of pressure on, on newly married couples to, you know, to spend, 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 make sure you get everybody a gift, make sure you get all your nephews and nieces a, a gift but you maybe just can't can't do that do that this year but you have to communicate with your with your spouse about it.
1: Yeah, I find that really helpful and I I love the distinction that you drew out between ownership and possession. I think that's really helpful for thinking about finances especially for us um and asking the the why question. Um as we've you know we've put together a budget. My my wife actually graduated with an accounting degree from NC State, so she's really good at, about keeping us on track yeah. there. Um but even, even as we have conversations, you know, we, we talk about what is, what is our reason for, hey, allotting money towards this place or, you know, thinking about, okay, we have these expenses coming up. How are we going to navigate that? Um, so I really, I, I like that idea, though, of recentering our finances, but also the Christmas season back to um, the reason of we want to celebrate Christ we want to honor Christ with our finances, and we want to be good stewards of what he's entrusted to us. I think, I think that's really helpful, especially in the holidays. That reminder is really, really insightful. When you feel the pressure of family, family traditions, and Dr. Wallace, like you were saying, there's almost an expectation of gift-giving, lavish spending is a yeah, way to express sure. love. But I like that. Yeah. It's, it's helpful to remember that's not the only way to express love, and you can be a steward in different ways as well.
0: And to, to Art's point about talking about things up front yeah the one of the first times i ever i think made pam cry in our married life was our first christmas together she she had lived with her parents until the day we got married she was 34 so uh she paid some rent to them but she she saved her money she spent a lot of money on her family for christmas because she had her brother her parents she just did so our first Christmas together, I came home from the office and she said, I want to show you what I bought mom for Christmas. And I think it was more than my car was worth at the time. <laughs> she, she spent, I said, honey, I appreciate that, but we can't do that if we're going to buy gifts for a, a bunch of people. And it was really devastating for her. She, she's fine now. She understood it. But it was such a difference from what she was mm-hmm. used to that had we talked about it ahead of time, we might have saved some, some heartache
2: in Caleb um, and just as an important reminder and you, you already know this your spouse your wife is the priority right you all are team number one okay and and it's it's different now because you're because before your loyalties um, lied with with your with your families right your mom your dad everything's different now your loyalty is to your is to your wife and you need to make sure that you all are on the same page. And then do and then with the, the, the rest of the, the family, but you all have to operate as one. She is now your, your primary um, uh, relationship right in, in, in life, and so make sure that, that's, that that takes place and that you don't feel the pressure from your, the rest of your family to do things that may end up injuring your, your marriage.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's really helpful. Art, if there were one thing you would say to believers, to church leaders about stewardship, what, what would that one thing be to our, our listeners to this podcast? What would you want to say?
2: Talk about it. Talk mm. about it. Um, what I Do have you mean, seen—
0: You mean uh, in the church, from the pulpit? In
2: the, in, in, from, from the pulpit, in the small group, it has to be discussed. Um, yeah, I, I, I truly believe that um, the the approach that we take to finances and talking about it, we often treat it as this taboo topic, Right? which in the church is, to me, just fascinating because God put over 2,000 verses about money, possession, stewardship in the Bible. Jesus spoke on money more than any other topic on earth, yet we don't talk about it that much. Um, It is destroying marriages, right? Now, it's often symptomatic of underlying issues, certainly, but it's destroying marriages. Statistics show that, yet we don't talk about it. Um, Statistically, the people in the pew... Are financially stressed living paycheck to paycheck they have a lot of debt they're struggling quietly struggling yet and it affects their everyday life yet we don't talk about it it's fascinating that that's that that's the case that we don't talk about money in the, in the in the church and i have to think that it is a it is the strategy of of satan that it is it, it is not of god That's the case. And if you look at it um, just from a a, a mission standpoint, so um, obviously Satan's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not want the gospel getting out to the ends of the earth, right? That's God's mission. Satan's against that. And we also know that finances fuel the Great Commission. Now, does God need the money to accomplish his mission and his purposes? No, of course not. He doesn't need those resources yet. He invites us in to financially participate in his Great Commission. So the the finances are the fuel for the Great Commission. Well, if you know anything about war, one of the things that you have to do is you have to cut off the supply lines. That injures your your enemies or whoever you're, you're going up against, right, ability to accomplish their mission. And so what I see happening, at least in the United States, is that the supply lines are being cut off. We we literally have every single dollar that we need to reach every single person around around the world to reach every tongue tribe and nation around the world to accomplish the Great Commission. We have the resources right now to do that, yet we're not we're not actually getting out there. Why the supply lines are being cut off uh, because people's you know they go into debt, they struggle um, with uh, their their budgets a lot a lot of for a lot of reasons right. Yet once again we don't talk about it. We don't talk about. Trying to fix the, the supply line to get to better fuel the, the Great Great Commission. I, I truly believe it's a it's a tactic of the devil, and um, and so that's we have to talk about it in the in the church. We absolutely have to talk about it. It's a, it's impacting everybody, and it's impacting the the gospel's advancement around the world. The College at Southeastern believes that God is at work in this generation calling out Christians to leverage their lives for the Great Commission. That's why we train students biblically, theologically, and vocationally in community to give their lives for the cause of Christ. In spring 2024, Southeastern will be hosting its annual Go Conference designed to train, challenge, and mobilize college students for the Great Commission. Invite your college group to join us on campus on February 9th and 10th. Save the date. And sign up for next year's conference at
0: thegoconference.com. For our listeners, our, our pastors who really aren't doing anything strategically to talk about money, Art, where, where would you recommend a starting point be?
2: Well, first of all, I want to say I, I, I get why they don't talk about money. I understand where that, where that comes from, right? I want to, I want to be empathetic there. Uh, they don't want to be lumped into you know a group of um, of leaders that have used the pulpit for for personal gain. I, I completely understand that they don't want to be grouped into into that that category. They certainly are aware that there are a few people in the church when you talk about money. They say, "Well, you're just trying to you know get more money from me." That I knew it, um, and and so I understand all all of that. So I understand that that's the case, but. We can't not talk about this. Now, as far as what to do, one of the biggest things that i found that can help a a pastor feel a little more confident in their ability to talk about finances is to take a step in their own finances because pastors Hmm. struggle with personal finances. You know, believe it or not, Chuck and Caleb, most pastors do not get into ministry for the money. They don't. (laughs) They get into it for the mission, right? Believe it or not, churches usually, they don't pay a ton of money. And, and so they struggle financially. And that often that makes them feel less confident in their ability to talk about, about finances. So take one step in your, in your personal finances. Um, I have something called the Eight Money Milestones that I encourage people to, to do. Uh, and you can go and find a, it's a free resource at christianmoneysolutions.com backslash free resources. And you'll see an Eight Money Milestones guide. And that's all that it is. It's a guide. It helps you know what financial step you need to you need to take next. It starts with generosity and it ends with generosity because that's what the Bible does. and And so, take that take that next step in your in your finances. I would also encourage pastors to consider getting a a certified Christian financial counselor in your church. Um, so there may be somebody in your church who's not just passionate about finances, but they also know finances well, and they can help counsel individuals and couples about their their financial situation. If that's a person if you know that person in your church, you may want to encourage them to become a certified Christian financial counselor or a cert CFC. And there's a program out there that walks a person through how to how to do that. You can go to christianfinancialhealth.com and you'll see that certification. And um, it's a relatively new certification, but man, it is growing like like crazy. And I would love to see a search CFC in every church across America because I think there's such a need. And how does it operate in the church? Well, it operates much like a marriage counselor would. When somebody has um, when they're struggling with their finances, um, this is the go to person that you that you meet with. And and so I would love to to see that see that happen.
0: You mentioned the the milestones, the free resource. I know that you not only blog, but you've written several books. If if there were two of your books that you would say to our listeners pick up these to to start moving in the right direction. What would those two books be, Art, and how how might we find them?
2: So, I am going to actually throw out this will surprise you. I am going to throw out a book that's not mine. Okay, um, to to start, Paul Tripp's "Redeeming Money." Um, that that is an amazing book on on money, and I am name dropping here. So, I was uh, talking with um, Paul Tripp about that book, and I said, "Man." I don't know how you do this. Like you just, most of the time, you're writing about marriage and and parenting and doing some you know great books and books that have influenced my life. And and then all of a sudden, you just decide to write a book on money. It comes out of nowhere. And I read it. And it ends up it ends up being the best book on money I've ever read. I said, I don't know how you do it, but I'm not necessarily happy with you, um, <laughs> with, with with doing this. I mean, it is a true. There's a true envy. That I that I have, I'm jealous with this book. It's phenomenal, and so I would recommend because it really gets to the heart of uh, of money, and and so I would certainly recommend that book. That's a that's a good place to start. Another book that talks about the purpose behind our finances that I wrote is a new one that's called Money in the in the Light of Eternity. Um, that book can help people understand why God has given us money to to begin with, and then let me give you a third. I know you said two. But um, the pro- the most popular book that I've written is The Money Challenge. And it is a it is a very short book. But uh, what I have found is that that helps people who aren't interested in finances, who never read a book on finances, get through a book on finances, right? And so it actually, at the end, it walks a person through the eight money milestones. And so I'd encourage those three books. And then, Chuck, if you don't mind, let me throw out a future resource. Yeah, do it. Uh, so... Coming out here in early 2024, there will be an Eight Money Milestones program. And I'm really, really excited about this. I've already talked to a lot of churches about it. It is a six-week video-based curriculum that walks a person through those eight money milestones or a group through those eight money milestones and it is very it's it's very biblical it's saturated with scripture all of the content derives from, from from scripture but it's also very practical so not only are you learning about god's design for money but you're learning how to budget how to get out of debt how to save for your uh for for the future you know college savings when should you buy a home and it walks a person through or a, or a couple or a group through all of those and there's a workbook that uh, that goes along with that that video-based video-based curriculum and so that will be released in early 2024 and i'm very very excited about that particular program
0: so now would be the time to start preparing for that
2: absolutely and and so you can and I'm, i've already thrown out a bunch of websites here um, you can actually go to christianmoneysolutions.com and um, or actually you can go to 8moneymilestones.com i just remember that you can go to 8moneymilestones.com and and sign up for any updates that we have on that on that program, so you know when it will be when it will be when it will be released.
0: Art, to help our listeners, do you do you speak in local churches? Do you do any of this live?
2: I do. I'm not as good of a speaker as you, Chuck. Um, no, I
0: didn't ask that, Art, but press on.
2: <laughs> but yes, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I've God has even recently really. Um, Grown my passion for speaking publicly about about mm. this. Obviously, I'm very passionate about it in general, um, but the desire to be able to talk to churches um, about or with, with in workshops about this very important issue that um, that most Americans are, are dealing with right now um, is is there. And so, yes, uh, whether it's speaking on a on a Sunday morning or doing some type of, I call it a mini conference, like a three-session conference uh, that will walk a person or a church through the eight money milestones, yes, that is that is all available.
0: You know my heart. My my interest in this is so that we would free up funds to get the gospel to the nations, just, just as it is yours. Uh, it's particularly a burden for me, and so I wanted our listeners to hear from you. You've given us some some websites, but tell us how might our listeners connect with you directly if they want to learn more?
2: Yeah, I'm really easy to, uh, to to connect with. So all of my social media handles are Art Rainer. So fortunately, there's not too many of us out there. <laughs> and so I was able to acquire um, Art Rainer for most of my social media handles. And I, I do a pretty good job of responding to direct messages. If you if you have those, um, you can also go to Art Rainer. Dot com not, it's, I know it's not very creative but it works artrainer.com and um, there's a contact form that you can fill out there and and connect with me once again if you just type in art Rainer in the Google search once again there's not many of us out there um, you'll you'll find me and I'm, I'm pretty I'm a pretty easy guy to contact
0: It's great art thanks for joining us for today's podcast Thank you for having me and listener thank you for joining us for another episode of Pastor Matters.
1: If you found this conversation helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd also love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope that we've done that with today's conversation.
0: And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.